I am Marsha Smalling, and welcome to my podcast, Powered Moments. Purpose to elevate, educate, and empower you to live out loud in your personal and professional lives. Stay connected and get powered up. to have Dr. Edia Solas on the second episode of my podcast, Powered Moments. Um, she is a former head girl of Hampton School in Malvern, St. Elizabeth, Jamaica. She worked at St. Augustine, Mona, um, UTEC, and also in Abu Dhabi. She is passionate about STEM education and is a science education consultant. Overall, extremely passionate about education. And for that reason, it is my delight to have her um, talking with me today. And she is intentional in driving the mission of this podcast, that of elevating, educating, and empowering our listeners. Most importantly, guys, she happens to be my cousin. And trust me, you do not want a better cheerleader. That person who makes you feel like you can conquer the world. And I know that she will have that kind of effect on you, on us um, today. Welcome, Edia. Thank you very much, Marsha. It's my pleasure to be here with you and to share in this great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Edia, just before we get into the meat of the matter, that of talking about the new dispensation of teaching and learning um, virtually, I just want to get a little bit inquisitive in terms of your academic journey because I find it to be very interesting. And I know that there are some of our listeners who sometimes feel that because I have accomplished this degree, because I have a master's or a PhD, I will not um, be flexible. I will not um, pivot. I will not reposition myself. I want for you to talk to us about your journey and the reason behind continuously um, pursuing um, different degrees. Talk to me. Well, uh, as you say, it's very interesting, but initially, you know, as a, a young person, you feel, okay, you're going to do your studies or you're going to delay your studies and you feel you have it all planned out. But one of the things that I've found in my journey is that sometimes there are curved balls and you have to just roll with the punches. And so after I left Hampton, went to the University of the West Indies, completed my Bachelor of Science degree. And then I went on and I did my doctorate in chemistry. So here I was now a fresh graduate and I thought that's it for school for me. But later on, uh, when I started teaching, then I, I thought, I was at UTEC at the time when I thought uh, it's not going to, I do like education 
and it's not really going to work for me to do wet chemistry, bench chemistry anymore. So, and I was getting a deeper interest and a passion for education. So I wanted to do a master's in education. So when the opportunity came up, I took that and I did my master of education in science. And so I had those degrees and I went to Abu Dhabi and that worked for me as well and so on. But now I find myself in Canada and it is so much easier to probably get a job in a high school, but I'm not a trained teacher. So here I am back in school and now I'm doing a master of teaching. So even at this age, I've had to go back to school and it's full time, two years. So I'm trained. So you, you have you have opted to go back to school even at this tender age and um you're actually doing a master's in teaching it is yes a master's in teaching all right i want for you to very quickly talk to us about the timeliness of it um in the context that we have had to make that shift to virtual learning rather than the traditional face-to-face learning? What are some of the things that you're learning in this course that's helping you to empower others? Well, it, it's, it's a very intense program and it's actually a very good program. And when I started, uh, we have done a lot of courses, of course, on the basic courses of adolescent psychology and so on but there were courses that were geared towards inclusive education. So education for all students. So having taught before in a multiplicity of environments, here I am now uh, learning more about inclusive education. And then COVID happens. And during the summer, I had to do a course on technology in education. So here I am now learning about all this new technology. And so I started learning ways in which I could uh, teach online and, and all the different things that were out there. So I'm getting training. So I felt very blessed, especially for someone, you know, of my age group where all the other students in my class were like, you know, they could be my children. And I'm thinking, but here I am, I'm learning the same things they're learning. So I I joke with them and I say to them, you might laugh at me and my technological skills, but I'll tell you something. I'm the best in my age group (laughs) because I'm learning with you and I'm learning from you. So, and, and that I have found that I've learned so much. And, and even now, because I do teach online, uh, it, it has helped a lot uh, in the program and just basic things that I've been exposed to. All right, awesome. I know that you've created a WhatsApp group for those members of our family who are actually teachers and you take every opportunity to share all the resources that you think can help us to ace our space um, in this environment. And I want to thank you so much. But outside of that group, I know that you have keen interest in just advancing education at this time. Um, What kind of support have you offered to your alma mater, Hampton? Well, I got the opportunity and the privilege to work with the um, Hampton staff. Uh, Their principal, Mrs. Charlton Brown, gave me the opportunity. 
and I was able to work with them and to share with them some of the things that I know. And um, I also put together a, a, a Google Doc with some websites and important things that I thought they would benefit from. And so I was able to share that with them. And I, I hope they're using it because um, I know that it has some really, really good stuff in it that I have been using and I've been very, very excited to share it. And I'm j I just like to share. So to me, you can't have a good thing and keep it to yourself. So for me, even creating a space where as family members, we could share and, you know, put our ideas out there, whatever we were learning, whatever we were benefiting from, just to put it in that space where we could share with each other. That's the kind of thing that I like. So, uh, you know. And, and one thing really I know is that like blood that. is thicker than water. So whenever I need you to come and to share with us at the Hub of Excellence, Glenmere High School, located in Central Clarendon, I know that you will be there for us to help to empower the team there. Eddie, I actually did one summer school at Glenmuir, so I do have some Glenmuir connections. Okay, um, that is why you're so brilliant. A little bit of it, um, <laughs> um, now I Now I, I fully understand what's going on there. Not at all. Eddie, um, the impact of COVID, as I've said before, would have forced um, educational institutions, principals and their, and their teams to make a drastic shift to this complex um, mode of teaching, learning, assessing our students. And let me be quick to commend my hardworking colleagues for the work that they have been doing with their teams. I am personally impressed with the work that they are doing and the impact uh, it has had on their students and their communities at large. However, there are still some gaps and there are still some schools who are struggling big time. What advice would you give to educational leaders at this time to ensure that um, they continue to increase the outcomes of their students and that they create some kind of equity um, in the same time? Well, the first advice that I would give to school leaders, and I, especially because I'm a Jamaican, I understand the Jamaican psyche, is be patient with yourself and be patient with those you have to lead. Uh, these are unprecedented times. We have all kinds of extenuating circumstances. Be patient with yourself. It's not going to be 100% perfect. It's not going to, the, the people around you are not going to be perfect. Some people will jump on board. Others, you will have to drag them kicking and screaming. Other people have all kinds of things that they're dealing with. Your teachers have things they're dealing with. Your students have things they're dealing with. And it's not all about, because we have this thing, and I know we have the, uh, the, the, the CSEC and you know, the CAPE and they must be done and they must be done well and so on. And that's in our psyche. But I'm going to say be patient, 
Understand that it is not the end of the world if things don't go as you plan and pool your knowledge. Make sure that you liaise with other leaders for support because they too are going through the same thing. So I would say pool your knowledge, pool your resources where necessary, make a bank of these resources, share them. And, and for example, if you're a cluster of schools, why not you know, set up a virtual school for a cluster? And then some students will be able to access a virtual school. Others would be able to access face-to-face. -face. So you would have less people in the face-to-face, -face, some in the virtual, for example, those who can manage with the virtual because not everybody has access to virtual resources. So you, you, want, to, to, you want to pool the resources that you have because I'm sure that there are people even abroad who would, because you're doing virtual school, who would, would probably help to teach a class? You know, um, if you have a virtual school that would service a whole cluster or something like that. So I'm thinking things like that. Learn from your students what their needs are. Listen to them. They know what their needs are. Listen to the parents. Be patient with them. Keep it simple. I know everybody has a technology that they're familiar with and nobody wants to give up theirs, but in the interest of the public good or for the students, we have to decide on one just to keep things simple. So keep it simple, keep an open mind, you know, leverage the resilience of your staff, leverage the resilience of your students. Jamaicans are very, very resilient and creative. And those are strengths that we can capitalize on. You know, uh, talk with the parents, talk with them, find out what they want, uh, make videos where necessary, uh, you know, for, for students, have students access videos. There are all kinds of resources out there. And of course, the regular uh, things that people are using like Zoom and Google Education and so on. So these are resources that I think that principals and, and other system administrators can use. Uh, and as I said, talk with each other. Find out what the strength of one school is or, you know, another principal may have one strength, you may have another strength, but you won't know unless you talk with each other. I think now is not the time to be selfish. All right, so now more than ever, um, we can see the need for learning communities among our principals and other leaders as well. And importantly, it boils down to collaboration over competition at this time. And together, everyone achieves more. And yes, it's important for us to listen to the students um, because they absolutely know what they want. And then in order for us to respond in an effective way, then we must demonstrate active um, listening as well. I'm going to um, talk about the parents. You have some parents who are on the ball and they're loving this online thing and they're able to set up their little areas for their children at home and they have all the resources and things are going well with them. But we also have those who are 
having a lot of challenges, the lack of resources, the inability to supervise the work of their children at home, the, their inability to manage the behavior of the children. I hear a lot of them complaining that the students are not waking up on, on time, that they are playing games instead of connecting to their classes and so on. Um, talk to those parents who need that little encouragement and advice to help them to do a better job at parenting at this time. Now, as a parent myself, I totally understand what you're talking about. And my advice to parents, as it is to teachers and even the students themselves, first of all, be patient with yourself. Be patient where we are in this together and we have to keep working at it. And what we don't get right today, we try again tomorrow. So yes, it is good. And you mentioned that there are parents who have everything streamlined. And I just want to go through that because you may talk about parents who have those things streamlined, but probably some other parents are out there who just don't realize that this would help. So I'm going to talk that process through first. One of the things that we can do as parents, which it doesn't necessarily come to every parent because not everyone thinks the same way, but I want to share this, you know, so that others may be able to benefit from it. Children like structure. So one of the things we can do as parents is we can try as much as possible to send our children to bed on time. Once they've slept enough, they will wake up on time. And then once they wake up on time, we could sort of place some routine. We have to have some plan in order. Now, are we going to get this plan correct all the time? No, but if we have a plan, we know when we've deviated from the plan and we can always do things to come back to the plan. So let's, let's get a little study area or a little area somewhere, even if it's in a little corner somewhere where this is designated. So this is where we keep the books and the, the iPad and the, 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 any other tablet we have or our computer. This is where we keep our school stuff. So the, the child has it in their mind. When I go to this space, I go to this place to work. And it doesn't have to be big. You can put two carton boxes on top of each other and put a piece of cloth over it. But it is a designated area. And so when the child wakes up in the morning, go through the same routine of school. You must get up at whatever time you normally get up. So for example, if the child gets up at six or seven, you have breakfast, you take your shower, you comb your hair, you put on clothes, you don't have to put on uniform, but you have like two pieces that, you know, probably if the child is doing face-to-face -face online, something that looks, you know, looks like they're not just running around. Yes. So you put on some clothes and you go at a particular time. And so you, you try as much as possible to keep that routine. And then once the child understands that I do this from Monday to Friday, because this is school, because you can't have the children running around like it's summer holidays. They have to realize this is no longer holiday time. This is school time and you are getting ready to go to school. So you put that in place. Now that comes naturally for some parents, not so natural for other parents. So I just want to put that out there. But of course, I know that not every parent can do this 
right? There are some parents who are having it very, very difficult. They don't have the resources. But whatever resources you have, work with that. And I say, depending on which stage your child is at, then you work with the child at that stage. So if you're talking about a primary school child, now we know the basics there. They may do some math. They may do some uh, English. And of course, they will do science and so on and so forth. Now, it, it, it may come to this that you have to settle and you have to say, look, I'm going to focus on the math because if they don't get the math, then it will be so much harder later on to catch up. But probably they will catch up on social studies later or it might be easier. It's not so daunting. So if I can only buy one book, I make sure I buy a math book. And even if the child is not getting everything from school, and even if I myself cannot do math, the child will do math every day for 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole day of doing it, just 30 minutes. And I can say that because, for example, I don't do French. I know no French, but my, I want my daughter to learn French. French is a part of her curriculum. And so I bought her a little French book. And she has to do it. I tell her, go and sit, do some French. You don't have to do a lot. I let just one day for the week, just you, you do some half an hour of it. Uh, you know, and, and so for math, I say they can do like two hours for the week. Believe me, one-on-one, -on -one, if your child is doing something at home, they're probably getting through more than they'll do within a week at school for two hours, because here we're talking about one-on-one. -on -one. So if you, can, if you only have 30 minutes as a parent, spend 30 minutes, four days for the week, or one hour, two days for the week, sit with that child, timetable it, put it on your phone, set an alarm. I will sit with you between seven in the evening and eight. If you can, if you, if you miss some days, you take it up back the next day. Be patient with yourself, be patient with the child, try your best. It's just a year in the life of a child and it doesn't more or two. We don't know how long this will be, but it won't be detrimental unless the child gets into some sort of trouble. They will be able to catch up. But if we keep them positive, if we let them know that learning is something that they should buy into, then even this setback will not be such a big setback. So don't worry yourself too much about getting data if you can't get it, or resources if you can't get it. Just buy a book and decide you're going to keep yourself up. And or ask the teacher, just be frank with the teacher, I don't have, can you just give me some materials and work with that? Absolutely. And I, I tell my parents, I tell my students who would sometimes complain that they do not have the gadgets and they do not have the data, that they must try and remain positive and try not to worry over things that they cannot change. I know that at Glenmere, we try our best to reach out to these parents, these students um, all the time, but we do not have all the resources to reach out to everyone. And so we just have to be flexible. We have to be resourceful and just to use the, the printed materials, the textbooks, um, 
watch the television less, the televised lessons, um, organized by the Ministry of Education, for example, and just make the best of it um, as well. So um, I think the, the strong message here is for principals to be patient with themselves and for parents to be patient with themselves. And I'm sure you're going to say that, listen, teachers still need to be patient with themselves. And I am going to be moving um, to talking about them because many of our teachers are working so hard. Um, I actually saw on social media a teacher who actually had her husband um, create um, blackboards along the streets and were teaching students. And there are many other teachers right across the island who are so resourceful, so creative, so innovative. They're doing everything that they can to ensure that they meet the needs of the students from where they are. And I just want to commend them. But firsthand, I know that the teachers are struggling. And I say to them all the time, listen, you have to make sure you protect and nurture your mental health because it takes a lot. It requires a lot to keep up with this new mode of teaching and learning. So Edia, I know that you do some online tutoring and as a veteran teacher yourself, um, talk to my teachers who are now listening. Give them some suggestions as to how they can stand out in a big way, despite the fact that this is a new way um, of teaching and learning. Now, are you talking about with resources and with good internet connectivity? We can do it. Talking about um, all the challenges that yes. come with so that's what I'm saying. Of resources. Um, including limited internet access and just not having sometimes the know-how. So while I know that schools invest quite a bit in capacity building, we still have a long way to go. So I want for you to speak with that kind of background um, information. Now, one of the things that we're good uh, with as Jamaicans, it's our ability to care for other people and our ability to care for each other. So care for yourself though. Try to make sure that you make some time for yourself, make sure you're getting enough rest, make sure you're eating properly, make sure that you are taking care of you so you can pour into others because you can't pour what you don't have. And do the best that you can, know that you are working with limited confines, you know, you're working within limits and therefore you're not going to get it all and you're not going to reach every student. But if you're trying your best and you're doing all that you can do where you have resources, you're making use of the resources and don't worry too much if the internet isn't working today and so on, do something else. It's, it's about not being hung up on what should be. Accept things for what they are and just work. So for example, if the internet isn't working today, find something else to work on today. If, if, if you can get one set of students today 
you work with these today, you work with another tomorrow. You see, we, we, the, the problem we have as people a lot of times is that we tend to want to look at the end result. And we don't see what just being consistent can do. You will, uh, the, the longest journey begin with the first step. And if we keep making even small steps, we can actually move a very great distance when we look back. So if we keep at it, keep doing what you're doing, do not get discouraged, do not expect big changes, but know that you are making a change. As long as you are putting your everything in it, as long as you are consistent, you will make a change, you will be able to reach a lot of students and you would be surprised at what you have done. It's like when you, you, you walk and you keep walking and when you're at the top of the hill and you look behind you, you're like, did I just climb that hill? Yeah. So, so just yeah. remind them, just, just keep taking care of yourself and just keep doing what you can within a day. And just say to yourself, I am done for today. Tomorrow is another day. Live in the present. It is a gift. That's what we have to do. And when I wake up in the morning, I say, Lord, just give me enough strength, enough light for the step that I'm on. Because it's hard going some days. And you just say, Lord. But some days at the end of the day, I say to myself, Lord, I got through this day. I did it. I made it through with your help. And that's all we have to do as teachers. We just have to know that if we keep going, we'll get there. We'll get there and we will get through this. We will get through this and we'll wonder how did we get through it? We just did it by just, we just kept going. It only breaks down when you stop. But if you keep going, you'll get there. Okay, um, sound words to our teachers and um, we got your back and we will continue to support you as, as principals. And um, Eddie, I recall some years ago, I think you were lecturing at UTEC and I recall um, overnighting with you and I saw you with this textbook and I think you were literally simplifying the information um, from the textbook for your students and those students would have been at the university level. Talk to me about why you would do that though. It's about making learning accessible to students. If you are speaking to me in a foreign language, don't expect me to understand. You, if you want to communicate, if your aim is to communicate with me, then you have to speak my language. You have to remember for me, um, looking on these textbooks, a lot of them were, are imported, meaning that they're written in foreign countries in a foreign context and we're importing them to Jamaica. So a lot of the contexts and, and the, the context that these texts are written in and the vocabulary that is used, those do not make the language itself of the text accessible to a lot of our Jamaican children or students. 
And so we have to now act as interpreters, translators as such, to make the information accessible to students. And, and, and this is what we call culturally relevant teaching, where we make the, the, the curriculum culturally relevant and responsive to the needs of our students. Okay, great. And you know, I have to, I have to make reference to my lovely aunt, Auntie Joy, your mother, who has served in the education system for a number of years. Um, last served as principal of Rambo All Age, lo um, located in Manchester, um, Jamaica. And I remember quite clearly Auntie Joy making up songs and dub poetry anything to get her students um, to learn. And I'm sure you'd have gotten some of that um, from her as well. But very, very quickly, she wrote some short stories and there is now a book. I have to allow you very quickly to talk about that book that um, Auntie Joy wrote. Well, it's, uh, it's a set of five short stories and it's called Puna and Friends stories from rural Jamaica. And so they are, the stories are about friends, some boys, and of course, all the mischief that they get up to and all the things that they do growing up in rural Jamaica and how they interact with themselves, with each other and with their community. So I, I think it's, it's a very interesting book when, when she first uh, wrote the stories, she just wrote them, uh, placed them in her bag and everywhere she went and she saw children, you know, like if she went to the children's home and so on, she would remove it from her handbag and she would read it for the children. And they were always very interested. I read the stories, I thought they were good. Uh, I read them for my daughter, she loved them. And I said to her, I kept saying to her, why don't you get them published? And she just laughed. She wasn't very, uh, you know, thinking that I said, mommy, I'm going to get these published for you. And so it was my pleasure to actually work with her on that project and we got it done and it's available on Amazon. So it's Puna and Friends, stories from rural Jamaica. All right, so listeners, if you have a, a daughter, son, a relative, then you can always purchase um, that book. It really is a good read. And um, it's Merle, the author, sorry, the, the author Merlita Copeland. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, so Eddie, thank you so much for um, connecting with me on Powered Moments. I'm sure you've gotten our educators, our parents all powered up to continue the journey of improving the outcomes of our students and in general, just improving um, our education system, investing in our children um, so that they can become world changers. But I just want for you to quickly wrap up and um, just talk to me about um, the direction in which you want to see um, our education system go in. For Jamaica, and even though I do not live in Jamaica, Jamaica is always on my mind. And every country that I teach in, everywhere else that I work, it's, I am always looking at it with the backdrop of Jamaica. And so for me, what I want for Jamaica is to have accessible education for all children. And I'm talking about children with exceptionalities. 
those children who probably are, uh, you know, they're dyslexic or autism spectrum or uh, learning disabilities and so on. All students, students from low economic status, students who are the higher end, just being accessible. Um, what I also want to see is our education system, and I know this is happening. Um, our teachers have always been creative, but I want to see more still coming out in terms of a more culturally relevant and responsive curriculum for our students. I want to see them learn of their own history. I want to see them, and, and one of the big things that I want to see is for the destigmatization of our dialect. Not because I want it taught in school, but I want it to, 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 I want it to be destigmatized so that when students speak it, they do not feel as if it is saying that they are from a particular disadvantaged background. I want them to feel confident in expressing themselves as they are and to leverage themselves in any other language that they want to speak, English included. So I, am, I, I, I would love that. That's, that's something that is our own. And regardless of how many of us speak our good English, it's not the good English that has put us on the map. A lot of the people who have been out there and part of that is because it's so very hard when you're not being your authentic self to, to come up with your greatest work and our greatest work, it's, it's our lifeblood. It's, it's the way we talk and the way we gesticulate and, and that creative part of us that we stifle sometimes. So it's not that I want to see it taught in school, but what I want to see it is destigmatized so that we can, when a, when a, a child tells a story in the dialect, the teacher can acknowledge the richness of the story and then we can all translate it to English. That's what I want. And I want to see our math done in that way where it's rooted in our culture. I want to see every subject done rooted in our culture. That's, that's, that's something that I would love to see. Um, you, you, you'd want for us to continue with um, virtual learning even if we're able to um, go back to school face-to-face? Yes, because it gives choice and choice gives you a voice. When you can choose what you want to, to, to do and the way you want to learn, because not every uh, child is suited uh, uh, for face-to-face um, -face within the class and not every child is suited for virtual learning, but it gives us choice. And not just that, there are other people too who might want to go back to school and virtually would be for high school especially would be a good way for them there are children who are probably um sick for whatever reason and for for, for a, a short time or whatever they are not able to be in school they may be able to access their um, education virtually so i think the world is changing and i don't think we can get away from that but i would love to see it yes established and and one of the choices that jamaican children have all right. Um, thank you so much again, um, Elia, for connecting um, with me on Powered Moments. You actually got us powered up, and that is simply amazing. 
Guys, you just listened to Powered Moments, where our purpose is to elevate, educate, and empower you, our listeners. We invite you to continue to come to this space um, every Wednesday um, just to get powered up. That is our intention to help you to live out loud in your personal and professional lives. Thank you for connecting and remember to subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. Take care. Bye.